What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, saints and inks, and welcome to Lactic Acid. I am your host, Dominique Smith. As always, I want to thank everybody for their continued support for this channel. I am truly grateful for each and every one of you, and don't you forget it. Today, I have a very special guest. She is none other than Miss Olivia Baker, and you are really going to enjoy this episode, especially on this holiday week. She came on the show and we talked good good food it will make you hungry uh we did talk thanksgiving foods we talked about uh the different food scenes in atlanta and things that she likes we talked about board games we talked about her passion uh for the medical field and how she wants to pursue that once track and field is done and then we talked about her faith and why it's so important to her and just what it's done for her and how she looks to shine that light and so please please be sure to listen to uh, the duration of the interview because you will come away inspired you will come away lifted and you will have a new person to cheer for in olivia baker she balls out in the 800 and she is poised to have an incredible season um, as she runs for the atlanta track club but as always, I need you to do me a few quick favors. I need you to follow me on the platforms, Instagram, Lactic Acid with Dom Smith, Twitter, Lactic Acid underscore pod and Dom Smith underscore news. Everything is in the Linktree app. So I'm telling you this, but listen, don't worry. I got you covered. All you have to do is scroll down to the bottom of the page. And you'll see the Linktree app. Follow us on YouTube. We are heating up uh, with certain videos. Um, that being track talk and a bucket of track talk and fried chicken is going to make a, a quick return especially in december so be sure to check that out um, you follow the youtube page lactic acid with dominique smith be sure to like subscribe hit that notification bell that way you're updated when all the new episodes drop and wherever you get your podcast apple spotify we are actually now on iHeartRadio, so please be sure to check us out there as well as google podcast overcast please 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 be sure to follow along subscribe hit the notification bell like that way you're updated when the new podcast airs we're also partnered with track barn track barn is an amazing company doing incredible things and no other way to treat yourself or your team during this holiday season than by going online shopping for some of the incredible things that they have whatever you need they got it and check this out you get a discount 10 off if you use the code lactic acid 10 at the uh checkout so please be sure to take advantage of that everything is in the link tree link that is right underneath this in the show notes you can't miss it i want to wish everybody a happy thanksgiving to those who have to work thank you thank you thank you so much uh whether you're a nurse or a doctor or um, first responder or um, whatever your role is thankful for everybody who um just everybody you know, it's a season to spread love is something we should do every day i'm thankful for each and every one of you i hope everybody enjoys their time with their family eat good food i hope your favorite football team does not lose and if they do it's okay it's all good everything happens for a reason i don't know why them losing is a good reason but i hope they win but until next time happy thanksgiving peace love and chicken grease
What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, saints and inks, and welcome to Lactic Acid. I am your host, Dominique Smith. Today, I have an official baller, shot caller, runs the 800 faster than a majority of the human race, and she is just getting started in excellence in this crazy spooky season. This has been recorded on Halloween. Uh, we have some comment. We don't have candy to hand out to anybody. But there's a lot of good information coming from this episode. She is none other than the legend, the pride of New Jersey, moving down to hot Atlanta, Miss Olivia Baker. Olivia, I appreciate you joining the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. That was a, a wonderful introduction, probably one of the best ones I've, I've had on a podcast. So thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> As the official reporter of, well, unofficial reporter of Flavortown USA, where the Mayor Guy Fieri is the reigning legend MVP, all thriller, no filler, that's what we do on this show. So, like I said, this is being recorded on Halloween, but... The best time of the year, obviously, is the holiday season. Debate your mama on that one. Don't care what anybody else thinks. And if anybody has listened to this show, knows that I'm one of those really extra people that gets it cracking, you know, when the holidays start, specifically on the first day of fall. I live here in Florida, so, you know, we need some hope to look forward to that cooler days are ahead, even though it's a myth. So let's just say, you know, Hallmark and Lifetime got with Food Network and say, you know, this Olivia Baker, man, we need to invest in her because her stock is hotter than some fish grease at an ATL ludicrous party. That's how, yes. that's how <laughs> insanely talented and insanely awesome she is. And in this holiday season, what better way to spread holiday cheer, not only just singing loud for all to hear, but doing it big and showing Olivia how awesome she is. So we're going to do a custom holiday promotion centered around her. What we're going to do is we're going to give her the option. Food Network says this is a great idea. She can either, she can do, she has to do two things. She needs to give us the one food that she wants off of the Thanksgiving plate that she feels is overrated, and we will ostracize it and get rid of it as a societal thing. It, it'll be a state of emergency. We just got to get rid of it. Plus, she has to pick a burger or a pizza that she wants custom made in her name. And then Hallmark says, you know what? We're going to get lifetime in here as well. We have Countdown to Christmas rocking and rolling. She has to tell us which network she would like a Christmas movie made about her on, Hallmark or Lifetime. And she has to name the entire promotion. So what is the food you're getting rid of? the pizza or burger that you want customized in your name and the movie that is made about you on which network and what's it going to be called? Ooh, okay. Well then, first, let me start here. I, like you, am a very, very much a holiday season person. Um, a lot of people will say that like Christmas music season and all of that starts right after Thanksgiving, but I'm very much like a November 1st Thanksgiving, like Christmas music type of person. Okay. I will go down on this hill. Preach. Um, Come on now. Yes. Christmas uh, music season starts November 1st. It, it will be blasting from my apartment. Uh, that being said, 
as we begin to transition to the holiday season, um, the food I'm taking off of the Thanksgiving plate is stuffing. Uh, I think it's really overrated. A good turkey can carry itself. It does not need the stuffing with it, Ooh. in my opinion. Ooh, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I know. I'm going to anger a lot, of, uh, a lot of stuffing fans with that one. Well, we're going to get into a deep-seated conversation about that in a second. But I want to know the next part. The pizza, is it a pizza or a burger? It's a burger, for sure. Okay. But I'm not going where I where you think I'm going with this. I'm a pretty plain burger person. So the customization for my burger is all in the meat. Okay, um, I like that. It's in the meat and maybe a little bit in the bread. So okay. what my custom burger... It's got to have a toasted brioche bun, mm. um, one slice of sharp cheddar cheese, okay. and the meat. I need the meat to be a combination of bison and beef. Okay. I've and never if had we bison. can do it, okay. if it's not too bougie, I'm going to request Wagyu beef, too, while we're at it. <laughs> That's odd. Listen. All thriller, no filler. We do high quality prime Wagyu beef. So I'm not mad at it. Shout out to Burger Pod because, you know, they use Wagyu beef in their burgers and those things will slap you like you owe somebody some money. So I'm, I'm <laughs> the bison. I've never had bison, but I've heard it's, it's a, a richer, more gamier meat. So listen, I'm not mad at it. It's your burger. And hey, that's what it is. All right. Last part of the question. Last part of the promotion. The movie. Lifetime, Hallmark, what's it called? Hmm. I think I'm going to have to go Hallmark. I feel okay. like Hallmark has the tradition of holiday movies behind it. Um, sometimes Lifetime movies can be a little bit crazy. Like when I think of Lifetime, <laughs> I think of some of the, the crazier like murder mystery stories. And Hallmark gives me a more like warm, family fun rom-com Christmas movie type of feel yes. and I think if we were to depict my life to this point it would be more on the side of family-friendly rom-com than uh <laughs> crazy murder mystery Hallmark will I mean Lifetime will have a Christmas movie Rudolph the Red-Nosed uh, Reindeer like Rudolph got shot by rain another reindeer or something like that <laughs> And Santa Claus is the main culprit. So I, I I get that. I get that. What are we calling it? Ooh, what are we calling it? That is a great question. I think that my Christmas movie would be called. Hmm. Maybe like Adventure Time with Olivia. See, I was thinking Baker's Dozen. Oh, yeah. Wait, I have a wonderful last name for a pun. Yes. <laughs> Baker's Dozen. That's that's great. So many, I'm, so many good Baker puns we could go to for that, actually. I'm gonna have to circle back to that to that uh specific one because I would love to know how you want to structure your uh, Hallmark Christmas movie. So we have to go back to that, but I cannot let that stuffing thing uh, go. See, now, if we're talking about stuffing, now, I'm from the South, and so I know you're from New Jersey, so I'm not sure, you know, you guys are more stuffing. See, we call it dressing. 
cornbread dressing. And so if you're just talking about plain stuffing, I'm with you, girl. Like, <laughs> stove, uh-uh, put that. Kevin Hart would say, buy another pack of stove talk and throw them both in the trash. So that is, I get that. But you see, we use the stove top stuffing mix and you put it in the dressing and stuff just for extra seasoning. So I think you're going to ruffle some some feathers <laughs> uh, <laughs> with that take. What's the most underrated um, underrated um, Thanksgiving food? Most underrated Thanksgiving food? Underrated. I'd have to go with hmm, most underrated Thanksgiving food. There are a few on there, but I think I actually have to go with the turkey itself. I know Thanksgiving is known for it. The, the turkey is like the, the picture that everyone puts up for Thanksgiving. But I feel like a lot of people don't like turkey because they say it's too dry or if you put in the turkey and it's dry. And I get that criticism, but a well-cooked turkey. That's it right there. You really can't beat it on Thanksgiving. A fried turkey, you know, a roasted turkey that hasn't been roasted too long. There's, there's nothing better. That's the key right there. Everybody who hates turkey has eaten a dry turkey that tastes like sandpaper. Now, and I there's some foods that if you eat it dry, it will make you not want to eat meat again. Like I that's I think that's why so many people go vegan for Thanksgiving because like their food has been just drier than the Sahara Desert. And I understand that because I've had a dry turkey, but a good good turkey, listen, it's a it's a game, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. I've actually never had a fried turkey before. Really? I've never had a fried turkey. And I've always been curious, like, is it, do you get that crunch like you get with fried chicken or uh, everything? Yeah, we always, you know, ours is in the oven. So that's interesting. And I've seen too many bad things happen with fried turkey. Like I've seen too many people get, you know, get on, they got caught on fire. And I'm just not trying to be in that statistical number. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't blame you on that one. So, you know, if y'all know how to fry turkey, email me at lacticacidpodcast at gmail.com and we'll work out a payment plan um, to get that <laughs> sent uh, to the area. But let's, let's move on to some track and field. You are balling out in one of the toughest events in track and field. So before we get to it, it's on my mind. Which race gave you the most pain afterwards, the 400 or the 800? Because you specialized in the both. Oof. I think I I would have to say the 800. Yeah. Okay. Um, It's Mm. definitely, at least the 400, I'm only dealing with mostly the lactic. I but the 800, not only do I have to deal with the lactic, but I I have trouble catching my breath afterwards, too. Yeah. Um, it really is. <laughs> it hits both systems, anaerobic, aerobic. So, so yeah, definitely the 800. Oh, those interviews, those post-race interviews have to be brutal. <laughs> like, and then, like, the new, it was so bad just watching the stadium, how they set it up in Eugene. 
uh, you had to walk upstairs like right after the race. I was like, oh my goodness. Like those poor, those poor people. Like, can you put an escalator there like instead or something like that? But I was always yes, please. It's so far. (laughs) It's and it's just like I know it's like five or six steps, but it's just you might as well be going, you know, up like six or seven floors or stories. Um I felt the pain like just watching the TV. I'm like, listen. It, it ain't it's only a few thousand dollars just putting in a nice escalator and and you know just let them ride up the <laughs> up the stairs but no you had a great season like you balled out for real 158 and you're inching closer to just total domination already made a name for yourself on the scene and just the way you race is just like a storytelling it's like a hallmark movie um and it's not even like those hallmark murder mysteries and those those hallmark murder mysteries aren't even that scary it's just like you know still silly but it's just so it's like poetry emotion how much confidence did you build and did you gain from last season as you're in your off-season phase now heading into next year uh definitely a lot of confidence um i think something that last year showed me is that I really can run some of the more strength-based workouts. Mm -hmm. Um, Coming into, before moving to Atlanta, I was more of a 400, 800 runner. I think last year, um, my coaches and my teammates really helped me embrace more of the 800, 1500 side of things. And while Mm -hmm. I would say I'm still far from an 815 runner, having that extra strength uh, and seeing how it impacted my racing has really given me a lot of confidence. And now several weeks into the fall, I can already feel myself building on top of that base that I, I laid last year. So do you think you're going to, you know, venture into the 1500 game? Um, <laughs> maybe <laughs> not anytime soon. That's okay. for sure. I may run a few for, for training purposes, but I don't think that it'll be, an event that I'll be looking to compete highly in for for a few years. Yeah, we'll put that event on layaway and just not just not worry about it because that's that's a different beast on its own. But you talked about the strength, you know, moving to the strength based workouts for more of the speed based workout, and I did read, you know, kind of how it was a transition. Um, how did you shape your mentality to attack it and gain confidence from it? because it shows up in your running. I think that a lot of it came from my coaches having those conversations. I'm grateful to my coaches for allowing me to ask a lot of questions because it, a lot of the training was completely new to me. Um, And sometimes the newness of it all can produce doubts, but anytime I had a doubt, I could always go to my coaches and say, Hey, you know, how is this, going to like what is the the goal of this particular workout or what can I expect this to this particular workout to help develop um and so part of it was really being able to ask questions and then the second part came from executing in the race Uh, I remember I think the first time that I really really trusted the strength in me um came outdoor season at the New York City Trials of Miles meet. It was my first ever sub two. And I remember we went out 
fast. We came through 457 on a rainy night in New York. And when we got to 300 to go, I just remember a little voice in my head saying, no, like go now, push it. And, you know, in that moment, I really leaned on my strength because normally I would wait until 200 meters or 150 to really make a kick. But in, in that moment, I really leaned on my strength and said, no, I'm going to, I'm going to trust it here. I'm going to, I know that I'm stronger, that I can sustain this kick and just went for it and, and was rewarded with that first sub two, that personal best and, and a lot of confidence knowing that, you know, I'm prepared now to, to do, to run even faster, to kick even further out in my races. Yeah. Your kick is lethal. Like, if you've if uh, no, I'm not gonna make that comparison, but it's like a if you ever watch Cristiano Ronaldo kick um I have actually Justin Tucker from the Baltimore Ravens. That dude can kick to the moon and the stars, and that's kind of your kick in the 800. Um obviously it seems like you've developed so much, you know, with the transition to Atlanta. How has it been like training, you know, obviously with the coaches, not just with the coaches, but you guys have some all-stars, you know, in your training group. What's it been like training with them and how has the atmosphere helped you thrive into where you are right now? Oh, it's been awesome. We have a great culture here. You know, I, I love training alongside Allie and Sadie and Yolanda, Gemma, Rachel. Um, and then this year we got, two more women joined our team, Presley and Hannah. And it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, Allie and I had a, had a really fun kind of rivalry throughout the summer this year. We both ran, we were fourth or Allie was fourth. I was fifth at USA's and we both ran, I think our final times at the end of the season were within like five hundredths of a second of each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was cool to have a you know be have teammates who are on the same level who are doing great things as well and we really just bring out the best in each other you know at practice pushing each other working on each other's um weaknesses you know Ali is a lot more strength based than I am so on the the longer distance days uh, she really pulls me along and I feel like I have the opportunity to return the favor when we do more speed-based work um, and I think it just elevates all of us. I, the thing about our team culture that I think really um, elevates this team is that everyone has something to contribute. Every single person on in this group has a strength and a weakness that they contribute in a way where they pull each other where we pull each other, where we all have an opportunity to shine and to pull the group and then also have an opportunity to benefit from the strengths of others in the group. So I think that, that we work really well together in that, that aspect. Track and field is such an individually centered sport. So to actually have like a collective team atmosphere, I don't know, you can just see, you know, how it pays off and how it is paying off. One thing I'm curious of is is two two things. I heard in another interview uh, with Allie Feller, shout out to Allie of Allie on the Run, that uh, your go-to is a chocolate milkshake. 
And so I need to know. I, I and I, here's why I'm asking. I've never had like a good chocolate milkshake. I've had chocolate milkshakes before, but they've all tasted like Crayola crayons, like the brown <laughs> crayon. And so I need to know where is the go-to for you? Actually, I take that back. Shout out to, nah, that, that was bad there too. So go ahead. Where, where's the go-to? The go-to is, I don't know if you've heard of Thomas Sweet. Probably not if you haven't spent a good amount of time in the Northeast. But they have two locations in New Jersey, one by the Rutgers campus, one by the Princeton campus. And they make the thickest chocolate milkshakes, like super thick chocolate milkshakes. And for me, oh, something man. that really makes a dessert is a good, a good whipped cream on top. And not just any whipped cream. We're not talking like just ready whip out of the can. Uh, what makes this whipped cream special is that they have a whole whipped cream machine. Okay. It's like a, I looked it up once, like a several thousand dollar machine just for making and uh, putting whipped cream on top of ice cream. And it, it just matches the whole vibe. You get a thick, super thick milkshake, extra creamy, thick whipped cream on top. The best chocolate milkshake I've ever had. Shout out to Thomas Sweets. So, so here's the thing about a good, good milkshake that I can tell you, because we have, a, well, they're closed, unfortunately, now, but there's a place, there's a place down here, or was a place, called Fuddruckers. Um, Fuddruckers, the burgers were amazing and all that stuff, but you, a good shake will have you call an Uber because you can't drive home. That goes <laughs> along with that. And I used to get, like, a vanilla... I'm basic, so you know I'll I'll do a good vanilla shake and I'll do a strawberry milkshake. But man, and they had their own. It's like one of those old school diners, um, which is what it sounds like where you get your milkshakes from. You made an incredible point about the whipped cream because that is such an underappreciated aspect of milkshakes. Because a whipped cream, this is just my opinion, it has to have a little flavor to it. It can't yeah. be, and nobody seems, because I'll have a milkshake, they'll put the whipped cream, but the whipped cream is bland, or it almost has like a bitter aftertaste because they're trying not to make it sweet, and it ruins it. It, it infects the, it's like the sinus infection of a milkshake, like bad 100%. It's, oh, absolutely. I'm 100% in agreement with you on whipped cream. Good whipped cream can really make or break your dessert. Uh, so it, it matters for sure. Like, you know, I grew up being cool whip. Um, and so, you know, there was, well, I couldn't tell because, you know, you have, you make the little strawberry parfaits and everything like that. But I've had, oh, what was it? I forgot the name of the place, but it was just a little, it was a little sweet. It's not like it doesn't, the, it's enough sweetness that it enhances the flavor, but it does not take away from the milkshake so yeah i got to check out thomas sweets because i'm a big whipped cream i'm i'm a sucker for good whipped cream um so yes that's that's encouraging to hear that there's a place in the united states that's doing it big what's the best chain milkshake you've had best chain milkshake i've had yes i don't know if this counts as a chain or if it's just all across like georgia area but have you heard of farm burger farm burger i have not okay their milkshakes 
are so good. They do their milkshakes with soft ice cream. And again, the whipped cream, handmade in-house. And it mm. is, I mean, again, a good whipped cream can make or break your dessert. And in this case, it really makes, that's what, in my opinion, puts farm burger above like a steak and shake or um, some of the other shakes you might get from chain restaurants. So that they put that little extra effort into their whipped cream and it just puts it over the top. If you had to give steak and shake a grade, what would you give them when it comes to the milkshakes? Hmm. You know, mm. I actually don't know. I quoted steak and shake, but I, <laughs> I actually have <laughs> not ever had a steak and shake milkshake. Really? Um, yeah. Food allergies, unfortunately, hold me back from a lot of change because of the risk of cross-contamination. Right. Um, but back, back in the day... I would give them a solid B plus. Uh, I don't know what happened, but that plus just hit a minus. Like I don't really. It. I don't know what happened. And there's there's a few restaurants. I'm not gonna call them out because if one day I might want them to sponsor the show, and so <laughs> I'm not you know about to put them on blast. Shout out steak steak still love you, but you know I don't know. It was like a four year period. And they went from like smooth sailing to a la carte. And when they did that, just the quality, like it's it's a little soggy. There's no texture. Like I'm, I don't want to drink a milkshake like a soda or like some water. So yeah, they went from plus to minus, but there's a place down here. I'm sure they have them in Georgia called PDQ. Mm. They sell, ooh, this is a scorching take, but I'm going to say it with my whole chest. It is way better than Chick-fil-A. Uh, I know those are fighting Ooh. words, but I stand 10 toes tall on that statement. It is way better than Chick-fil-A. The chicken's better. It's fresher. Uh, they have chicken tender subs in the summertime uh, with this Parmesan-crusted bread. It's mm, You can't eat but one a month, but, you know, still. <laughs> But they have such incredible milkshakes. And for like a chain, like the whipped cream, it's not as thick. It's nice and smooth. It's like the top of a sweet potato pie, like that kind of smooth texture. I'm telling you, it's lit. It For a chain restaurant, it, it is lit. But when I heard that, I was like, listen, I've, I've never had a good chocolate shake, like, like a good chocolate shake. So... It sounds like unless I go up to the Northeast, that trend is going to continue. Uh, but that's okay. Oh, man. Well, you got to try it. Next time you're in New York or New Jersey, make a stop at Thomas Sweets. You will not regret it. I, I promise. That's the first stop. We're going to go get some pizza and some and, and a chocolate milkshake. I promise you that. Also, I didn't hear this, but I read it. You were originally thinking about you know, pause and track and becoming like the next low key lit doctor of the, <laughs> of the world. Um, and so obviously you made the right choice because like I said, you, you're killing it right now. Um, but what made you and what is the motivation, you know, when you're done about, you know, going to the medical field? Yeah. Um, I've always been interested in medicine. I mean, since seventh grade frog dissections, um, 
boy, <laughs> you, you, you really must have loved medicine because, you know, oof, I remember dissecting frogs and uh, yeah, it wasn't that bad. But yeah, that I'm glad that, you know, shout out to the frogs. Yeah. I mean, just learning about the the biology, the anatomy of the human body and how it works, experiencing that as from the from the viewpoint of an athlete, um, as well as getting to study it in lab settings um, has really made me interested in it. And then the other part of it is that, you know, I, I want to do something after track where I think I, I could do a really good job. I think I would be a good doctor. And where I could serve in, where I could serve a community, um, and particularly, you know, underserved communities of color is is yeah. where I would want to to um, to serve as a doctor because I think that there's just a lack with the with the prices that health insurance comes in at right now, and um, there's just a lack of access. To, yes. to good medical care. Um, and so if I could play a small role in increasing that access, uh, I think that it would be, it would be really beneficial to a community and um, something that I would be good at and enjoy as well. My mom and I, we have some great doctors and I would say 95% of them are African-American doctors. And that's not to say, you know, you know, we're not, you know, making this an overly racial thing, but there are some things that are true. And I didn't know that. So I, I have a doctor, Curtis Weaver. Shout out Dr. Weaver. Um, he is my cardiologist. And so I don't have so for those listening, I, I'm not in any risk or I'm not in any trouble. But when you're fan, when you know, there's certain things you need to stay on top of and everything. But when I went to see him, especially, you know, if you have a family history, you know, like, you know, we do, you just want to get started young. You know, you need to learn as much as you can. But it opened up my because he said things like that. I just didn't know, you know, like, OK, in African-American men, you know, this is more, you know, proficient. And, you know, these are sort of symptoms that you will have, you know, compared to your counterparts. So I think, you know that's a huge thing because there's a lot about, you know, our health for whatever reason, you know, that, you know, somebody like you can explain because you understand it more um, because you under, and then you have, you know, a better understanding of how the human body works as an athlete. And that could really help a lot of people. So I actually think that's really dope. Um, are you talking about like a surgeon or like a general physician or a specialist or, you know what? I I feel like I change my mind every other day on this. <laughs> <laughs> um, coming out of out of college, I thought that I would want to be a neurosurgeon or something that really piqued my interest in school was the intersection between um, medicine and engineering. So maybe working mm. in a field like prosthetics okay. or or in like veteran care, something like that. Um, but, you know, being an athlete and, and dealing with injury, I've also developed an interest in orthopedics. Um, I could also see myself in primary care. Similar to you, um, I grew up with almost, almost all of the doctors I went to were doctors of color. I, uh, my dentist, my primary care physician, dermatologist, uh, all of them, pediatrician, 
all of them were doctors of color. Most of them were black. Um, and I remember the impact that had on me, you know, seeing someone who looked like me and that profession and helping me believe that I could do that too. Um, and so I think that primary care also has a special place in my heart for that reason as well. You know, wanting to be, be visible in the community and, and inspire, you know, younger kids coming up to know that they can also become a doctor. Have you considered being like, I don't think there's anybody in the world that's like this, but you would be like the handyman of like the medical field. Like you can, I don't know. You just have like this big medical center that has all these avenues. It's like, okay, I have a sinus infection. Okay. Well, she can see you on Tuesday for this. It's like, okay, well I need, you know, physical therapy or I need my leg examined. And then you can kind of see, you know, someone for that, just like maybe making like your own, that would be dope like the Walmart, I don't say like the Walmart, but the, you know, like a store that sells everything. Yeah. Almost. I think that would be really cool uh, to have a practice and kind of expand. Maybe I wouldn't do everything, um, but to, to have a, a private practice that offered all of those things kind of in-house where, you know, you see your general physician and then I can say, Hey, you know, I, what you need is physical therapy. So on the second floor of this building, you can go and see the physical therapist or on the right around the corner, you can go and see a cardiologist. Um, I think that would be, yeah, that would be a really cool thing to get together and, um, and do. But to your point, I think the closest thing to maybe a jack of all trades type doctor might be uh, like someone in urgent care. Yeah. Cause you really never know who's going to walk in the door on a given day in urgent care, you could see anything from some, from like a sinus infection or a really weird uh, virus or bacteria to a physical injury, someone who like cut off a finger or something. Um, and you have to be prepared to handle all of those situations. So, I mean, maybe I have urgent care. <laughs> urgent care seems like it would be a, an interesting medical profession to be in as well probably like the most similar thing that you could find running an 800 um i can <laughs> imagine uh we will get back to the the medical stuff um towards the end but what are three things that people do not know about olivia baker Ooh, three things that people do not know about me i guess one i'll go with my go-to fun fact uh which is that i know how to ride a unicycle um, oh, that that is uh that's awesome <laughs> thanks yeah i went to a, a sleepaway camp throughout the end of elementary school and into middle school uh that had a circus attached to it and i got to learn a, a bunch of circus disciplines but i think my favorite might have been either the flying trapeze or, or the unicycle oh that's big time <laughs> okay <laughs> all right I'm I'm down with that. I can roll with that. What are the <laughs> what are the other two? Oof, the other two. Let's see that people don't really know about me. Oh, that maybe one would be that I'm a huge Formula One racing fan. Um, Team Mercedes for the win. Lewis Hamilton okay. is my favorite driver. Uh, just last weekend, actually, I was in in Austin with my dad to watch the Formula One. Grand Prix out there 
um, for my first Formula live Formula One race, but super huge Formula One racing fan. Love, love the sport. Okay. You are in good company when it comes to track and field, you know, athletes who love Formula One, obviously the most notable being Michael Norman. Uh, so, hey, I'm with that. I'm a big Lewis Hamilton fan. So, you know, I'm with it. I'm with it. All right. Give me one more thing. Okay. One more thing that people don't really know about me. Hmm. Let's see. Maybe it's that I really like board games. Okay. Um, I don't know unless you've unless you've spent extended time hanging out with me, you might not know that I love board games. Just about any board game. Um, Monopoly, Settlers of Catan. I recently learned Ticket to Ride. Uh, That's serious stuff. Right I'm almost always down for a board game party. Listen, don't make me. Where's my Connect Four board? I got it. <laughs> it's literally sitting right next to me. I have. Let me see. I got Connect Four. We got this bad boy. Um, you know, so I'm with you there. I got Jenga back here too. So you know, get it on and popping. What What's your go to? Like, what's your favorite? And are favorite? you, like, really competitive? Yes. Oh, yeah. It's Settlers of Catan. Okay. I don't think I know that one. It. So explain that to me. Let so me you have a board, and the board is different each time. Um, okay. And you have three to four players for a regular game. Uh, you can get the expansion pack, which can go up to six. Okay. But three to four players, and... You place what are called settlements in the corners of the board to collect resources. Every turn okay. someone rolls the dice, when they roll the dice, you get to collect resources based on the number that is rolled. Um, and the goal is to create, essentially create your your own empire on the board to the exclusion of everyone else. Mm. So for each settlement you build, which you can then upgrade to a city, you get a, you get an, a, a victory point. Um, and the goal is to get to 10 victory points before your opponents. And in order to do that, you have to get to certain resources the quickest, you know, building roads and expanding your, your reach. Um, you can make trades with other players. There are a lot of uh, interesting nuances to the game, but that's the that's the gist of it. And um, it's okay. a lot of it's a lot of fun in the same way that a game like kind of Monopoly or or Uno requires you to kind of step on the toes of your your fellow opponents. Uh, it let, can let get really heated. Let me tell you something about Uno. Uno. <laughs> will end some relationships oh yes uno will make you fight somebody i don't <laughs> listen if you keep getting draw fours then you know you know maybe it's time to take a sip of water and and go do something else uno i've had some heated uno um games i'm a connect four brother myself um i never was that good at monopoly but there was a game called life Yes. Uh, that 
I'm, I'm just saying that 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 was my <laughs> growing up. That was my game. That was that was my game. It's so crazy. Like I'm 28, and you say you love board games, and that gets me excited. But I feel like in this era of phones, like this younger generation, like that's younger than us, will never know the love of sitting down for like two to three to four hours and just going at it with board games and card games and like all the fun stuff that we would do. Like, it's actually kind of sad. It like, is. Like, they will never know. Now, granted, maybe they should know like how, you know, intense, you know, Uno, you know, can't get. Uh, there's some games, you know, but just like Connect Four and... um Gosh, what are, like even like your basic board games like uh, checkers or chess or um, the fun games we used to play in school. Like I was thinking about it the other day, like Heads Up, Seven Up, um, certain games like that. Battleship. Um, yeah. Gosh, those are those were like good times. <laughs> those were good memories. Um, but that does sound like a game that I would lose, the one that you just described. I'm just like, <laughs> I listened to you explain. It's like, no, I don't have a snowball's chance in Hades of being competitive in that game environment. Interestingly enough, so you've lived in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. That's where you were born and raised. Then you went over to Palo Alto um, in the greatness of Stanford University. Um, I just have to say this. I have to read more on it. So I was going to say free the tree because I just saw that <laughs> the tree got suspended for the rest of the year. No. Uh, the calendar really? year. Because they put up a sign that says Stanford hates fun. Yes. At, I've at the been reading game. up on that. And it didn't seem, I have to finish reading the article or, or just read it over because I forgot certain parts now. But it didn't seem like it was too big of a deal, but apparently it rubbed some people up at Stanford the wrong way. And so they like suspended the Twitter account for the rest of the calendar year or something like that. Wow. I was like, I was like that's 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 bad, man. Like you got to get more people at the games, and the tree was like, it's the tree. So yes, yeah, free- we love the tree. Oh my gosh. So you know, free him. Yeah, free, free the tree. But you went out there, and then you were in Texas, uh, the home of Sandy Cheeks from SpongeBob the Squirrel, and then you're now in Atlanta. So my question to you, which place, which demographic has the best food? Ooh, wow. That is tough. I had some good food everywhere. Um, I think if I had to choose, it's got to be Atlanta because I'm a big fan of soul food. My girl right there. Yeah. And the soul food in Atlanta is unrivaled by any other place that I have lived to this point. Um, Texas barbecue is is a close, is a very, very close second. Um, I love me some good barbecue and I have not had anything 
anything like the barbecue I had in Austin, Texas, um, anywhere else that I've lived. So that's a close second, but some of the soul food places I've been to in Atlanta have just been so, so good. Atlanta's a different city. Just being at the Atlanta airport for too long, like I've never seen an airport have a Popeye's in it. And that thing is just <laughs> like, you don't know if they're catching a fight or they're trying to get a two piece. Um, <laughs> but, and they have like soul food restaurants there too. I call them knockout plates. So everybody knows that this, I am a fried chicken fanatic. I have a, a show built on fried chicken. That's a YouTube exclusive series. And so, you know, soul food, you know, from a cultural standpoint is like in our DNA. But what is your, I call it, I call them a knockout. I call it a knockout plate that, you know, you eat it and then you just out. What is your, <laughs> what is your knockout plate? What would that be made up of? Oof. My knockout plate. Actually, this is what I order. I don't, when I go to, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Pascal's. Supposed I have to be, heard of Pascal's. Okay. Yeah. They have a location in the Atlanta airport, but the location outside of the airport by Mercedes Benz stadium is the place to be. Okay. Um, and so when I go to Pascal's, my favorite thing to order, it's going to be the fried catfish meal. Ooh, um, she went catfish. I like that. Yes. It's the fried catfish. I'm going to get a side of, of some wings to go with that chicken wings. Um, and then I'm going to get the macaroni and cheese, the corn, an extra piece of cornbread. Yeah. And um, don't come at me for this one, but I'm also going to get some fries on the side. I'm not mad at that. I'm not that that's I'm not mad at that. Um, I'm all for I'm all for starch based meals. So I'm not mad at that. I love that you said fried catfish because that is now, you know, for me, I, I will mix it up, but I will listen. What there's a couple places down here. There's uh one place called Nikki's Place. Um, it's an old school soul food place. Oh, we've had some unfortunately, some in Orlando, the good ones have shut down. Um, but mine is it's not even a plate, they put it in that plastic. A white container and everything like mm -hmm. that. Um, that that's that's how I know it's good. Um, and then they put the paper on top, and that's where you know the meat goes. But for me, I'm getting two pieces of fried chicken. Or down here, we do a lot of tilapia, but I prefer mm -hmm. catfish or flounder. Uh, one of those two. You got to go with the macaroni and cheese. And here's why I trust you. I don't trust people who say mac or mac and cheese. You have to pronounce it by its government name, macaroni <laughs> and cheese. So, you know, I'm rolling with the macaroni and cheese. I have to do some candy yams. Um, okay. Cannot forget about the candy yams. Usually, and this is where, and you're going to come at me for this. So, I, if you have cornbread dressing, I will get that. But if not, I will settle for yellow rice. Um. Hmm and stuff so it's either because that's the base um and then 
we don't do cornbread. We do a lot of cornbread muffins here. So, you know, I'll, I'll do me a muffin or I'm a biscuit brother. I do love a good biscuit. I do love a good biscuit too. I'm with you uh, on that one. Yeah. And some collard greens. Okay. I see um, you sneaking the, sneaking the vegetable in there. So that's, you know, collard greens or the old school green beans. Those are, or the two that has the ham hocks in it. Mm -hmm. and stuff like that but i am but no like if but the thing is if i get catfish i will get what i just said with catfish as well but catfish and shrimp fried shrimp those are the two that i am more likely to get some fries with um and i'm mm -hmm. i'm guessing in atlanta you guys do crinkle cut fries um depends on the place i don't oh. think i'm trying to think i don't think the fries at pascal's were crinkle cut but I'm wow. with you on the crinkle cut in general. Like if I'm going to get <laughs> fries with a meal, I do want them to be crinkle cut. I do agree. Crinkle cut, or I can even do like steak fries, like the thicker cut or even potato wedges. If we want to go there. Uh, See, I cannot do, I cannot do a potato wedge. KFC ruined it for me. Because <laughs> KFC, th this is old school. Everybody listen, you're getting a lesson here. KFC used to have potato wedges. And those things, I'm telling you, if you threw a, one of those wedges at a car, it would break a window. Like that's <laughs> no, that's, that's how hard those wedges were. And those potatoes, like they were so rough. And that just ruined the wedge game for me. But I'm with you on those steak fries. I don't like a hard steak fry. Like Steak fries are the ones where I can't eat them crispy. Like I, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know why, man. Pascals, I've seen them at the airport, but I, you see, I'm, I'm a little cautious about. I can't eat that and then go on the plane, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. Um, but next time I'm there, I got to try, uh, Pascals. But just everything the soul food related, like even the Chick Fil A has, I don't know what season they put on it, but it's it's not like the Chick Fil A's down here. Like I taste some wild seasoned salt in that chicken sandwich, <laughs> and so I'm like, whoever compliments to the chef. Um, <laughs> but you eat wings with the catfish? Did I did I hear that right? I do. Yeah, I always when I go to soul food places. It's hard for me to decide between whether I just want to go with the catfish or I want to go with the chicken. And one of the things Pascal's will allow me to do is get both. So I'm wow. like, a little bit of catfish, a little bit of chicken. It's what I like. Now, here's the thing about soul food. You know, there's two kinds of wings that we eat. The whole wings and then the drumettes, the hot wings. So are you a whole wing or a drumette? Oh, I'm a whole wing person. Oh, for sure. Mom. My mom is just loving this episode right now. <laughs> she, those three whole wings. See, I thought you were talking about the hot wings. No, okay. I'm talking whole wings. I got We got to make a deal. I got a show called A Bucket of Track Talking Fried Chicken. Um, it's a YouTube exclusive episode. If I get P&D and you get Pascal's, can you come back on and then we can like dissect it even more? I would be happy to. <laughs> Okay, we're going to have to do that before the season really gets cracking. Um, and that's like off limits because now I am just, I'm hungry because <laughs> that that made me <laughs> happy. Um, barbecue. So I've been to Texas. I was in Houston. 
I did not like that barbecue. Now, I I don't I will say this: Texas is not known for pork and pulled pork, but oh boy, I was the best pulled pork I've had in my twenty eight years of existence. Um, what did you make? And maybe it was the I'm guessing it was probably the place that I went to. Um, but what was like your go to barbecue plate? I had a friend. I had somebody come on. I did a when I was working for another company, and so he had a rule. And the rule was you get two meats and three sides. And mm-hmm. so what was that? What's that looking like for you? Yeah. So to answer your first question, go-to place is Salt Lake Salt Lake, in okay. Austin. I don't know if they have a location in Houston or in any other city in Texas. I think that they just have a couple locations in Austin. And then there's a location at the Austin airport too. But um, Salt Lake. For sure. Great, great barbecue. Um, And then I am in agreement with your friend. I almost always go two meats, three sides. Uh, And my two meats are definitely always got to do brisket. And my second meat is likely to be likely the like pork ribs. Um, Okay. Some ribs. Yes. Yeah. Ribs. I'm, it's I'm going to agree. It's definitely yeah. pork. I'll say that. It's pork. But the question is, am I going to go with the ribs or the pulled pork? Um, oh, God, Lord. That's tough. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. See, ribs are tricky. You know, I'm sure you had the same rule. You can't eat everybody else's everybody's ribs and potato salad. Right. So that's tough. Okay. So let's just say pulled pork. Because that's the safer bet. It is the safer bet. I do. I agree with that. Pulled pork uh, is, is the safer bet. It's hard to mess up some pulled pork. Yes. Now, what are the... Well, I went to a coffee shop that sold pulled pork, and that was my first mistake. Um, <laughs> so, but what are... Now, this is a tough one, because, you know, soul food size and barbecue size are different. Um, what are the, the three barbecue sides? See, and I'm glad you made that distinction because while I would get macaroni and cheese at a soul food place, I'd almost never get macaroni and cheese at a barbecue place. Can't nope. do it. Nope, 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 nope. I'm glad you said that. So this is a PSA. If your barbecue place, unless they sell some fried chicken and, you know, and all that stuff on the side, don't get it. No, no. So, uh-uh. so now that we've determined that nonsense is gone, uh, what are your three? And the bread can count as a side. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, because the Texas toast is definitely one of the sides. And I do count that as a side, because it's a lot of bread. It is. Two more. Um, Oof. Second side, it's probably going to be fries. I almost always get French fries. I really like French fries. You have to. Um, And then third side. Oof. That's a tough one. It really depends on where I am. It could yeah. be baked beans. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a huge fan of coleslaw, but sometimes <laughs> it comes with the coleslaw side. Um, we might be related. <laughs> Honestly, because <laughs> I'm in agreement. Me, listen, mine is... 
is literally almost the same as yours. Pull pork brisket, or I will do sausage uh, for whatever mm-hmm. reason I'm doing that. And it's baked beans and French fries. Nice. And yes. And, and Texas toast or or uh yeah, that's 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 mine to a T. Like that's crazy. That's <laughs> But this last one, I have to ask you, and then we'll move on. What about, what's the food, what's the barbecue meat that you do not consider barbecue that they sell? Like, if they said, you know what, we can do without this, um, what is it What is it for you? Because everybody can cook stuff sure. and they'll say it's barbecue. Yeah, I think for me, that meat I don't really feel like it's barbecue. It's, it's turkey. So, I went to a barbecue place the other day, and my dad would be upset with <laughs> upset about that because he doesn't he doesn't eat red meat, so he's always happy when they have turkey at a barbecue place. Uh, but I just don't feel like turkey is a barbecue food. Mm-hmm. You know, it's because here's the thing, because <sighs> people talk about yeah, there's a nice smoke ring and and all that stuff. I'm like, that's just weird to me. That means we're eating barbecue on Thanksgiving. Now, yeah, granted, exactly. Yeah. So, granted, you know, my family does that. You know, I will cook some pulled pork myself to go along with everything else. But that's like, I can't do it. That's that's like trying to force macaroni and cheese, you know, as a barbecue thing. Like, because you because there's this I you could put you could smoke everything. Everything can go in the smoker, and that's true. Because mm-hmm. like I've had smoked green beans, um, that has like a smoky texture to them would i eat it again absolutely not one feed it to a dog <laughs> but um like no i feel like we should exclude turkey and give more praise to like burnt ends um mm. the the good burnt ends um but i'll be honest with you i have not had a good rib in years and if anybody listening now i make some good ribs but if anybody listening knows anyone who sells them, please let me know. Please let me know because my brother is struggling. And some of those ribs at certain places are like, you know, the Bible calls them wolves in sheep's clothing. Because yes. they'll, <laughs> they'll look so good and then they will be just the worst things you've ever had in your entire life. When you are not checking out the food scene in Atlanta or training, what is life like for you? Uh, life is like, well, I do a lot of reading. I, um, I run when I'm not running or (laughs) checking out the food places. I actually work for the Atlanta track club office. I run Atlanta track clubs, official book club. It's called runners who read. Uh, we read, um, running based or running related loosely running related books and I write a weekly blog with some discussion questions and then at the end of the month I actually get to sit on the other side of the mic and do a podcast with the authors of these books and um, it's been a lot of fun um it's it has definitely been a learning curve learning how to to speak from the other side of the mic but it's been cool getting to know a lot of the the authors who wrote these books and, and hearing about their running careers. We do a lot of running autobiographies. Um, 
we've done some self-help books too. And most of the time, because of the Atlanta Track Club name, uh, we've done a good job of getting the authors to come in and chat with us and do a moderated book club discussion. So I think that's really what takes up most of my time outside of the outside of running. That's actually really, really cool. Like, where can the people find that? I have to put the link uh, for that. Yeah, it's uh, online on the Atlanta Track Club website. Uh, if you go to www.atlantatrackclub.org-runners-who-read, or sorry, slash runners-who-read. And um, you can see all my blogs posted there for each book that we've read and links to the podcast at the bottom of those blogs, the Runners Who Read podcast. Who's uh, been your oh, oh, I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry to who, Who's been the favorite person that you've uh, got a chance to chat with? Favorite person I've gotten the chance to chat with is probably, hmm, I haven't, I haven't had a lot of good conversations. At least I would say it's, it was Alexi Pappas. Okay. We read Bravey. And I got to chat with her at the end of that month. And we just had a fun, free-flowing conversation, kind of like this conversation. It was just fun. I felt like I was, you know, I, of course, I prepare and I have notes for my podcast, but I felt like we just kind of chatted. And uh, a lot of people came and watched and people asked questions in the, the question box. And we had a good time. That's actually really cool. I actually need to check that out. Um, and I encourage anybody who's listening to check that out too, to read and to listen, because it sounds like you guys are like covering some really good topics that can help a lot of people. And it's just pretty much entertaining. It's a good form of entertainment. Um, reading, mm -hmm. I don't, maybe this is bad. I don't know the last time I sat down and read a good book. And I think obviously the element of time has something to do with that. But there's something I read a couple of years ago and I, it was weird. I used to check. I bought this book and then I used to go to our local library and rent out a study room and read. It was uh, I think it was Carly Lloyd's autobiography or whatever the case might be. Um, and so there's something like special about reading books and having a discussion with athletes um and so that actually sounds really really cool um yeah something i gotta check out let's switch gears before we hit our last topic how has your faith in inspired you helped you and kind of shape your goals not just for what you want to do on the track but obviously uh, we talk about how you want to do things in the medical field um, once it's over. How has it kind of guided you and helped you and given you perspective about that and just everything that you have going on? Hmm. That is a, a great question. Um, and I think that having faith in Jesus Christ has really been a like the reason that I'm running like I I run not for my own glory and it's the same with my desire for medicine it's not for my own glory but for his glory and his glory alone um it's my hope that people would not see me but see the talent that he's placed in me and not praise you know me for that 
and for those accomplishments, but praise him um, and turn their eyes towards him. And if by the end of my, my running career that some people are inspired and would do that and would uh, be drawn to Jesus Christ um, through this running career and through my hopefully future metal, medical career as well, um, it would mean more to me than any accomplishment I could ever achieve on the track. So should we start calling you Pastor uh, Olivia or Pastor Baker or Bishop Baker? Or I know they do apostles now, Apostle Baker. <laughs> who's <I> just, <laughs> <laughs> I hey, just... if it would if it would turn more eyes to Jesus, I'm not against it. Okay, well, listen, I'm thankful to have Bishop Olivia Baker on the show. <laughs> just dropping wisdom. And that's, you know, that's great perspective because it kind of, I don't know. It takes eyes, it takes the pressure off of yourself, and then it points it into the right direction. When you talk mm -hmm. about, you know, helping others like in the community, and you're you're talking about, you know, track and field and the things that you deal with over the years and over the experiences that you've had, how has it shaped what you want to do? Um, you obviously talked about helping, you know, people in um, you know underprivileged communities and obviously helping people of color and you talked about as an athlete you know the human body and how that uh you know piques your interest but you also look at the state of the world and there's a lot of problem solving in track and field um that goes on there's a lot of risk and a lot of rewards but how has all of that kind of culminated to be like you know what this is helping me you know this is helping shape the direction that I want to go into. And this is giving me confidence that I can do it. Does that make sense? Does that question make sense? Hmm. You're asking how have my life experiences in Basically. running and in the community and in, in school and, you know, coming up and learning about medicine shaped the direction that I want to go in the future. Correct. And how's it giving you confidence? And how's it given me confidence? Um, that is a that's a great question. That's a really a really big question. Uh, <laughs> take your, like it's like we say in church. Take your time. Let the Lord use you. Let him have his way. You're, you're yes, your <laughs> I am saying that prayer right now. Um, <laughs> well, I think that. You know, like I said, I, I referenced growing up and having doctors of color and having that and the ways that that has colored my my view and, and wanting to to serve in, in that community and both both serve and inspire um, in those communities. And I talked about how um, or I didn't talk about how running um, has also been sort of a, a source of encouragement in some ways. Um, hmm. Well, that's where I want to go. Honestly, well, maybe I'll start with the confidence piece. The confidence comes from, from God, hmm. you know, with both running and medicine, it's something that he's put on my heart from a young age, from, like I said, that seventh grade, frog dissection that was so monumental in in developing my interest in in biology and then 
the future experiences I've had with the field of medicine since then. And then similarly, a desire has been in me for a long time to, to go to the Olympics and to, to test the limits of, of what this body that he's put me in is capable of doing um, and to, to give thanks and encourage and inspire uh, along the way. And so the confidence piece of things comes from constant prayer, constant, you know, seeking to know that this is in fact the path that uh, the Lord has put me on and has asked me to walk and looking towards the future. Um, that's really all I can, can ask is going forward, making sure I, I keep my eyes set on the Lord and ask him to just continue to show me. And right now, uh, the path that he has told me to take day by day, step by step is, is the, the one to continue running. And then, you know, when the time I trust that he'll let me know when the time comes to apply to medical school again and, uh, you know, continue to walk that road. Or if he has something completely different for me, you know, I, I don't know yet, but um, I trust that he'll reveal that to me in due time. Is there a verse that you kind of lean on um, that encourages you that, you know, puts things in perspective for you? Hmm. I have a few of them, but I think if I had to choose one, it would come out of, I want to say this is Proverbs 5, 1, which would be trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not unto your own understanding. All your ways, acknowledge him. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't mean yes, to say it exactly. for you. Yeah, no, you know it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know it. Um, try, I don't think it's, I think it's in three. Is it three? Oh, man. Three. It might be three. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna look this up right now. It's I'm, I I want to say you look it up. It's three. I think it's th Proverbs three versus five. It might be three. I might. You're right. I might have it have it backwards. Uh, it is. Did I get it? It is Proverbs three five. Won't he do it? You're yes, right. he. Yes, he will. Somebody I know the Lord will make a way somehow. All right. Okay. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, Proverbs 3 5. Last um, um yeah, last last question. What advice or encouragement would you give to someone who is I don't everybody's journey is different, but they can look to you as a source of inspiration. Obviously, how you look to Jesus as the source of your inspiration, but what advice would you give somebody on this path similar to yours? Well, this is cliche, but the the path to success is not straight. Uh, there are ups and downs. There are going to be bumps in the road. Um, but you know, if you if you persevere and you continue to trust, and uh, for me, that looks like just standing on the rock that is uh, Jesus Christ through the highs and the lows, and um, continuing to show up, continuing to stay consistent. Um, that you'll you'll reap the rewards on the other end. 
whatever that might look like. And I, I really try to show that on Instagram as well. I'm committed to posting about every single race that I run, no matter the outcome. And I had some bad ones this past year. I think in general, most people and myself included would characterize the season as a success and a breakthrough. Um, and, you know, I, it's cool to have run sub two nine times, but people also uh, very quickly forget. And I'm thankful for the forgetfulness in the sport. But I also <laughs> ran like, I ran 205 or worse um, three times last year between indoor and outdoor. Um, and I talk about that too. Yeah. You know, there are, I ran 158 and had great successes. I also ran 206 and blew up. And both of those things were part of this journey um, in what would generally be considered a, a really successful season. And um, in both, there are opportunities to learn and to grow. And uh, I don't know why my season, why my path this year happened to have those bad complete blow up races but what I do know is that they were a part of my journey and um in some ways I feel like I couldn't have had the success that I had later in the season without those really low um bad races that I had as well it's it's like you never learn the or it's like you can't appreciate the mountaintop until you've been in the valley um and then, you know, from a faith standpoint, you can't say he's a lily in the valley until you've been in the valley and you needed to hold on to that. So amen to that. Like I said, mm -hmm. um, you can, if you want a Sunday sermon, then go to Bishop Olivia Baker's, uh, <laughs> go to her page. Uh, all we just <laughs> need to do is just add a little organ and everything. And well, maybe that's, that's just, you know, how I, I grew up. Um, but yes, definitely a good word for encouraging times, a good word of encouragement for, um, these times, but you have survived the interrogation process known as the general interview. Now it's time for the good stuff. We have this last segment called down the home stretch. I'm going to ask you a few rapid fire questions. I want you to answer them to the best of your ability. If I interrupt you to ask you to elaborate on your answers, it does not count against the time. If you do not answer these questions in a good, fast time accordingly, I really don't care. It's not a big deal. It's all love. It's all fun. <laughs> like I said, all thriller, no filler, no pressure, none whatsoever. Are you ready? I am ready. Let's do if, it. If there was a food that you had to live with and the food that you could live without for the rest of your life, what would they be? Live with? It's uh, scrambled eggs. Mm -hmm. Live without tomatoes. Amen to that. I, I'm telling you, Olivia and I might be related because I hate tomatoes. Listen, send it down to hell with the devil. I'm with that. <laughs> I am with that. If they had to, if they came to you and said, since you are going to have a movie made about um, your journey through Hallmark Countdown to Christmas, you get a chance to pick the actress that you would like to portray your character. Who are you rolling with? Hmm. I'm going to go with Amanda Stenberg. I've never heard of her. Yeah. Okay. From The Hate You Give. I don't know if you've seen that movie. I have not seen that movie. It's but probably the one that she's best known for. 
I'm I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to you know the movies and stuff like that. So I will have to look that up. But hey, let's get that going, Hallmark. I know you're listening. Well, I well people listen. tell me we look alike, so I feel like I'm gonna have a biopic. I should pick someone who <laughs> look. who who I'm told is my celebrity lookalike. Okay, fair enough. I'm not mad at it. All right, let's keep it moving. If there was somebody who could narrate your 800 race, your best 800 race, or any race in general, who are you picking? Narrate. Hmm. Morgan Freeman. That would be interesting. That would be interesting. Who would, would make that entertaining? All righty. So let's do this. What is your dream vacation spot? Dream vacation. Oof. It's probably. It's a beach somewhere, somewhere tropical. I'm going to say. I haven't been to the Bahamas. Okay. But I feel like that's. It would be a, a beach in the Bahamas. Dream concert to attend. Hmm. Okay. This one, I am a huge Taylor Swift fan, and I've never been to a Taylor Swift concert, so definitely Taylor Swift. What's the best song on her on her latest album? Latest album, it's Maroon, for sure. Uh, I'd say I actually have been to a Taylor Swift concert. Um, a friend got the tickets, and we went way back in 2013. I'm not the biggest Taylor Swift fan, but I will say this: she puts on a great show. So. Uh, T-Swizzle, we got the hook homegirl, Olivia, up. Uh, let's get that athletes discount going. <laughs> um, yes, please. So that's what we're going to do. What's the best era of television? Mm, I'm not a huge TV watcher. And uh, so I would have to say, I'd have to say this era, actually. Um, mostly because... Ooh, no, I'm going to take that back. I'm going to say that it is mid-2000s cartoon era. Like, we're talking Spongebob. Um, what other cartoons did I watch? Powerpuff Girls might have been a little bit before that time. But still, I still count that as, like, early to mid-2000s cartoons. Uh, Cat Dog. Kim See. Possible on Disney Channel. That I era like of cartoons. See, I'm a 90s brother myself. I'm a 90s and early 2000s. So, yes to Cat Dog. I'm a Rugrats. Early yes. versus the SpongeBob, Rocket Power. You know those. That's that's 90s cartoons. Keenan and Cal. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Sister Sister. Uh, all that. Um, that's so Raven. That's that yeah. Raven's mid two thousands, along with uh, uh, Hannah Montana, um, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So I'll put you there. I'll put you. I'm 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 down for it. If hmm, let's see, I had this question queued up. Deep dish or New York style pizza? New York style, for sure. What's a custom pizza looking like for you? Custom pizza. Well, like I said, I don't like tomatoes, so it's gonna be straight cheese for me. And uh, the custom is gonna be in the different cheeses. I like a good four cheese Bianco pizza. Um, and it's definitely gonna have to have some white cheddar, 
some mozzarella, some ricotta for texture, and then hmm, fourth cheese. I don't know. Maybe we could just go with three. Because those are the only I, three that I can think of offhand that I would really I think, want on that I pizza. think some good aged white cheddar or smoked gouda would give it like a nice, colorful. It would bring out the other cheeses. I could see the smoked gouda yeah. for sure. So, yeah, that actually sounds pretty good. We got to make that happen. All right. Just a couple more questions to ask you. What is your favorite Christmas tradition? It is my family's board game tradition. Oh, okay. Every Christmas, and we didn't do it last year because we didn't, we actually didn't gather. We didn't really gather because of COVID, but someone in the family would purchase a board game and bring it to Christmas, a new board game that none of us had ever played. And oh, like yeah, after opening up the gifts, we would spend the rest of the night just sitting around the table, playing, playing, me and my cousins playing the board game uh, that was so fun every year we would have a new game and the the rivalries that developed <laughs> and trash talk that was had are fond memories of mine from, from Christmas <laughs> I love that I love that that is that's amazing what is uh, three more questions favorite Christmas song Favorite Christmas song is, hmm. I, I I gotta name a few. I can't choose okay. one. Okay, give me three. Funny. Give me three. Okay, I'll give you three because every year, see, I, I do this every year. Where I listen, starting November first, I listen to my entire Christmas playlist over and over, and I try to decide what is going to be my song this year. Um, same here, but I start September twenty second. I start, I start, <laughs> I start with boys to men and the, like the soul Christmas, and then we work our way up. So to Frank and Dean Martin and Bing to all that. But go ahead, I'm curious about you. There are so many good ones, uh, but I think "Underneath the Tree" by Kelly Clarkson version is a, a favorite. Definitely makes is at the top of my list every year. Um, I like. I, almost any version of Joy to the World. I have not heard a version of that song that I didn't like. So that song gets high praise for me for its versatility. Song, okay. a Christmas song that you really can't mess up. Um, and then, I mean, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas. See, that's too- effective version. A classic. That's too can't basic. I see. I've listened to that song so much. I don't even like it that much anymore. I hate to understand <laughs> that because it, it's like I can hear it once, and I'm like, all right. Um, but like, mm, I don't know. After a couple times, like when I was younger, I used to play that all the time. I'll be honest. To me, Christmas does not start until I hear Dennis Edwards of The Temptation say, in my mind, when he does a silent night. <laughs> That's when, <laughs> and that, that happened September 22nd at 8 p.m. Um, the Temptation every, every year, first day of fall, gotta get it going. Um, so yes, that is when, when Dennis Edwards, when Uncle Dennis, you know, says that, that, you know, it's, it's just time, it's time. Get your life right, get your life right. Um, I said two more questions, but this will be the last question. Why does kindness matter to you? 
why does kindness matter to me? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that kindness matters because it breeds hope. Um, in the times that we're in, it can be really easy to to give up on humanity, to see the darkness in the world, and to believe that you know we're just doomed as a as a human race. But I think that kindness is a source of hope. It reminds us that there is hope for this world. There is hope for humanity, um, and that you know. Uh, for me, it, it turns turns my eyes back to the the heart of Jesus Christ, and just knowing that you know that there's there's so much more to come. But for now, those glimpses of kindness give me and give give us that hope, and so that's why it matters. Well. My light just went off, which means you have won and completed down the home stretch. You have been a, you've reached a proverbial gold medal stand. So you are one of our gold medalists. So congratulations on winning your first gold medal. Uh, where can the people find you? Where can they support your journey? Uh, <laughs> shameless plugs. You can find me on Instagram at obaker64. Also on Twitter at obaker64. Um, and then on uh, the Atlanta Track Club page that I cited earlier, or if you just Google Runners Who Read Book Club, you can find my blogs. I post weekly about the books that we read and the accompanying podcast with them um, on the Atlanta Track Club page. Olivia, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to chat with us, to drop some great information and offer some kind words, uh, tidings of comfort and joy on this holiday season. We want to thank our partners, um, Track Barn. Go on trackbarn.com. And if you type in lactic10, all caps, I'm sorry, lactic acid 10, all caps, no spaces, you'll get 10% off your order. Again, we'll see you next time.